Welcome back to our series, Resounding Christmas. Um, this is fun stuff, man, for me, that this series is fun. I love this time of year. Um, I think people are open to the gospel in a way they're not normally, so it's cool, you know. Uh, but this, this idea of resounding, we said this basically has two different meanings, right? And the first meaning of resounding is like unmistakable. Like, so you could say, uh, our, our kids, our GC Kids play a few weeks ago was a resounding success. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, that narrator over there was phenomenal. That little girl, gifted. Uh, the rest of them, they're pretty good. But like, the play was a resounding success. Uh, the other definition of resounding is it echoes, it reverberates, it carries. So what happens in here echoes and reverberates out there. And that's our prayer for this series, that what happens in here changes the world out there. And I referenced a passage last week, and I want to read it to you guys this week. It's Acts 4.13. I'm talking real fast. Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, there's something that happened with Peter and John at a different place in a different time. And then when they were in this place, and this time it was, it was obvious to everyone that they had been with Jesus. Something happened in their life that resounded wherever they went. And so that's what we want for this room. We want whatever happens in you and here to resound out there. If we're worshiping here, let our worship resound out there. The generosity in here, let it resound out there. Whatever we're doing in here should make a difference out there. And if it doesn't, then we're not really doing anything in here. That's what a resounding Christmas is about that the world might be changed as we gather together in this place to be prepared to be sent out into the world. All right, uh, so today this is a fun one. This is a, I told you last week, I don't love every Christmas song. I'm learning to love them. Uh, I don't always connect with God with them the same way I do other songs, but this is one I love. But before we get there, show of hands. Who is good at multitasking? Raise your hand. And if you're a man and your hand is up, you have no self-awareness whatsoever. <laughs> Women are much better. Listen to this. In the, in the last service, I said women are better multitaskers. And then I went off my notes, which I should never do. And here's the things I said women were good at. I was like, a woman can iron, clean, cook. And I was like, what is 1943? I just described like June Cleaver. It was like the most misogynistic rant. Women can run businesses. They can run for, like they can do whatever they want. But I went off like 1950s. I described some woman in high heels and an apron. The whole crowd was just, mm, I could feel it. But women are generally good multitaskers. Y'all know what happens to me when I multitask? I do everything with mediocrity. If I try to do two or three things at once, I don't do anything well. Um, I mean, I, that's actually pretty good. I'm doing it. But that wasn't in the notes either. Stick to the notes. But like, multitasking is not something that comes natural to most of us. But in this weird thing, so this week I was working on this message, and these messages are kind of challenging to write, because I don't start with an idea, I start with a song. And so they say, hey, Tommy, here's the song we're going to sing, then I take that song. But like what God showed me this week was so cool, because multitasking is a critical and crucial part of the life of a Christian. This thing where we hold three ideas in our head all at once. We're in three places at one time, and fully present in each. And so the song today is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and it is such an amazing illustration of that point. The words to it are O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive, we would say Israel, but for the sake of the song, we're going to say Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, 
shall come to thee, O Israel. It's a beautiful song, man. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And what it's, the name Emmanuel, it's probably, of all the beautiful names for God and Jesus, I think Emmanuel may be my favorite because it has the most personal meaning for me. But this name Emmanuel comes from a, a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah spoke these words hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus Christ walked the earth as fully God and fully man. In Isaiah 7, 13, this is what it says. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before Jesus. Remember, the Israelites got this prophecy that the Jewish people, as they were waiting, they were in a season of waiting because in their world there was slavery and there was poverty and there was disease and there was death and there was racism and there was war and women were treated like property. I mean, it was a, it was a rough world. And so the Israelites were waiting for this promised Messiah that God with us would come and, and rescue them and save them. And so while they're waiting, they're hoping, they're hoping for a Messiah. And then something happens. In John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what John is saying is, what you've been waiting for, it's happened. The Messiah has come. Emmanuel, God with us, full of grace and full of truth. God has taken on flesh and he's come to dwell with us. He's come to save us, to deliver us, to rescue us. All this brokenness in the world, they knew they needed redemption. And what John is saying is redemption has come. And then after Jesus dies on the cross and he resurrects and he ascends back into heaven in Acts 2, they said it like this. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, saying the Savior has come. This O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. It's happened. He came. He ransomed Israel. He ransomed Tommy. He ransomed you. He paid the price for our sins so that we would not have to pay the price for our sins. So when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're singing about something that has already happened. Christ has come. He died. And then he, he rose from the dead. And he conquered sin. And he conquered death. And he conquered disease. And because of that, Christ has set us free. And so we remember that. When we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're recipients of a promise that has already happened. But that's not all. Because it would be simple if that were all. We also sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and rescue captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I love that. You know why we still sing it? Because when I look at the world now, you know what I still see? I still see war. I still see poverty. I still see racism. I still see disease. I still see places where women are treated like slaves and property. I still see death. We still see tornadoes, right? And we still see people mourning. And we still see pain. And we still see loneliness. And we still see depression. We still see all of these things. So we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
Because in Matthew, Jesus taught us to pray like this in Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we still praying that prayer? Why are we still praying thy kingdom come? Because what we're experiencing is not just what we received 2,000 years ago. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, he's already come. But when we sing, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, what we're asking is that he would come now through us. That even now, what Christ has already done, he would continue to do through us. Thy kingdom come. Now, here, as it is there. Not just that we would be recipients of something that happened there but that we would experience something that's happening now. Oh, come, Emmanuel, is not just about the moment that's already happened. It's about the moment that we're in. And I think this is so important for us to understand because, guys, uh, I love the, the Red Cross and the Boys Club and all those are wonderful organizations, but we're different than those organizations because when we help people, we do it for different reasons and in a different way. When we, when we do these toys for kids, I think, I think Danny said there was like 800 toys purchased for kids in this community. Do you know why we do that? It's not so kids will have toys. It's because there is a battle that Christ has already won against poverty and loneliness. And when we give these kids these toys, we are taking our place in that battle. We are continuing to fight the war that God already won. When we feed homeless people, you know what we're saying is there is a day coming when there will be no poverty, when there will be no pain, where everyone will have a seat in my father's house. And everything we do is empowered by a moment that's already been, and it looks forward to a moment that has not yet come. And everything we're doing in this moment matters. Everything. When you give, and when you serve, and when you pray, and when you love, those things are declarations of war that we would stand against the enemies of this world that our God has already stood against. That's why I don't, not, not, not in this church, but in some churches, never here. When we're bored in worship, it blows my mind because this is a battle cry. Like th there is real pain out there, real pain that our God has already defeated. And when I worship with all my heart, I take my place in that war as a victor who's already standing against something as God has already destroyed. And it's weird. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like what's happening is happening. Thy kingdom came and thy kingdom is coming. But it gets even weirder. Listen to this. The next verse of that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, says, O come, desire of nations bind, all peoples of one heart and mind, Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the world with heaven's peace. Is that happening in the world? I don't even think it happens in the church. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. That's how I would sing it. It would be good. But that's not happening, is it? Bid envy, strife. I mean, if you look in the world, do you go, you know what? I am glad we have bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. I'm not sure how to past tense any of that. I'm glad we have bowed. I don't know. But we don't, we don't think that. There's more envy, strife, and quarrels than I've ever seen in my entire life. And it just keeps getting worse. Yet we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Why? Because we're not just recipients. We're not just experiencing. We're anticipating the greatest of moments. 
And this is what we don't talk about enough in the church. And the reason we don't talk about it is because people think it's weird. And we start talking about what we're about to talk about. People think, oh, is this one of those weird churches? Yes. (laughs) Revelation 21. We need this passage and it's so good. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. By the way, for anyone who's read the Genesis story, does that sound a little familiar? Sounds a little bit like Eden, doesn't it? And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. We we don't talk about this enough. We remember what Christ has done. We experience what Christ is doing. And we look forward to what Christ is going to do. And we hold all of those moments together at once. And we're equally in all those moments all the time. I'm remembering and I'm empowered and I'm I'm preparing because I know that what I'm seeing now is not forever. And this is what the world must see from us. We live in a world where Christ defeated death, but tornadoes kill people. But you and I live in a world where we know there will be a day when there's never a death again. And we have to understand this. And we don't offer this to the world through religious platitude. We offer it to the world by living that moment out in everything we do. There must be a visible hope in you, a visible hope in you that tells the world, this moment is not my forever. I'm empowered by that moment. Christ is coming into the world right now through me at this moment. And I know there will be a moment when the old order of things are wiped away and there will be no no tears and no death, and no disease, because my God will have the final word. And for some reason, we don't talk about that very much. But isn't it everything? Can you imagine thinking this was it? You know, one of the greatest, one of the greatest things I think some days is like, oh, God, I am so glad you sent me into this world because I believe I got a job to do here. But I am so glad this world is not my home. Because in my home, there will be no slavery. And there will be no poverty. And there will be no kids who would not get a Christmas present. And there will be no death and there will be no disease. And we feel that. When we see the things in this world, we feel like, man, this can't be right. And do you know why you feel that? That's the imprint of the Father in you saying, this is not right and this is not forever. There's a day when all these things will be restored. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We remember, we experience, and we anticipate, and we hold them all together at the same time. And for those of you, and if you're here today and you have not yet received Jesus, everything I'm saying is foolishness. Like the ways of the cross are foolishness for people who have not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ. And so I know if you're here and, and, you, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, first off, I want you to know we want you here. We pray that you would be here. We love you and you are welcome here and we want you to be part of this. But if you, if you have not yet received the Spirit, everything I'm saying is crazy. 
But for those of you who have, you know these things to be true. They're written in your heart. You know that thy kingdom has come, that thy kingdom is coming now, and that one day thy kingdom will come again. You know that death was defeated. And you know that right now, with the way we worship, death is being defeated through me. And you know that one day death will be forever defeated. What you know is that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so today, guys, as we celebrate communion and we prepare, we're going we're gonna to close this in a minute by singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. My hope is that what you remember is the simple gospel. We complicate it, and we add a bunch of stuff to it. But the simple gospel is pretty good. And what I look forward to is a day when we'll go back to Hawaiian bread. <laughs> I anticipate that day. I'm in this moment. I remember that one. I'm in... But you know what? There's almost something cool about taking bread that tastes bad. Um, I mean, there is. Because at least we remember a little suffering. Because this stuff is bad. <laughs> I think it probably pales, but... Like... Just imagine Jesus is sitting at the table with his boys and they're being prepared to go and give their lives. And so Christ has this incredible meal with them and he offers them the only thing they can't get anywhere else. And like I, I think about this, how many times has the church tried to outwow the world? I always say, how many times have we tried to out Nintendo the world? And we can't do it. We only have one thing and that's the body and blood of Christ. And so Jesus sits at that meal and he says, I'm giving you my body and blood so that when the moment comes, you'll be prepared to give your body and blood knowing that there will be a day when no son of God will ever give his body again. And so Christ looked at his boys and he said, this is my body and I'm giving it for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. And after the supper was over, Christ took a cup. He said, this is my blood which is shed for you. It's a new covenant, a new promise. And the promise is, give me your life and I will take your life. I will give you everything. Christ said, give your life to me and what you will receive is Christ. What you will receive is a promise. What you will receive is hope. What you will receive is immortality. What you will receive is strength and worship and glory. He said, take my blood and I will give you the position that belongs only to me. And so he said, take and drink, all of you. This is my blood, which is given for you. And so in remembrance of these acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we declare this mystery of faith. And guys, if you know this, say it with me. And it says, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. God, your Holy Spirit is poured out on this place. Lord, I pray that we move through this holiday. God, some of us here remember great pain. Some of us here are walking in great pain. Some of us are scared to pain that, that may be to come. But in the midst of all that, I pray we remember that you have defeated the pain. I pray that, that we remember that our presence 
is the battle against pain in this world right now. And I pray we never forget that this is all momentary and our pain pales in comparison to the joy that is to come for all those who will hold the cross tight, for all those who won't give up, for all those who will allow their lives to be a holy and living sacrifice that you will restore everything again. And so, God, we thank you. And I pray for unity amongst this body. And I pray that we would be united with you. And I pray that we would hold tight to these truths until we sit together at your heavenly banquet. All glory and honor is yours, Heavenly Father, now and forever. O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. She